Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. Aaron Rodgers is the biggest story in the 2023 NFL season. People are curious. Every time we stage a live event, could be one across 10 different sports that we promote. That's our product. 4.6 million women are already sports betting in the U.S. Digitization of ticketing has made things more transparent in some ways and less transparent in others. One of the coolest things about rugby, it's the same rules for men and women. Golf is a sport you can play well beyond your years, unlike any other sport. You don't have college athletics anymore. You have young people playing professional sports. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Damian Sassauer. Scarlett Foo is off this week. Coming up on the show, we'll talk some football and we bring in former NFL executive Michael Lombardi for his perspective on the inner workings of an NFL team from scouting to coaching and... Let's talk about the coaches and how they rank in his mind. You know, Andy Reid's going in the Hall of Fame. Belichick's going to go in the Hall of Fame. Mike Tomlin's going to go in the Hall of Fame. They have it. You know, I think Sean McVay has the potential. Kyle Shanahan has the potential to get into the Hall of Fame. Michael's here to talk a little bit about his latest book, Football Done Right, setting the record straight on coaches, players, and the history of the NFL. Plus, we'll hear about how Lionel Messi might be the key to helping out a struggling Chicago soccer franchise. All of that straight ahead on the Bloomberg Business of Sports show. But first, the NBA's most successful franchise over the last decade is up for sale. And that'll do it. It's over. The Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. The fourth title in eight years. The Dubs dynasty is still very much alive. That's right. A group of minority investors is thinking about selling a chunk of the Golden State Warriors. Here to talk to us about that is our friend of the show, Bloomberg U.S. Sports business reporter, Randall Williams. Randall, welcome to the Bloomberg business of sports, old buddy. Thank you for having me once again. Well, first of all, who's up in play for thinking about buying the Golden State Warriors? Your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of these things where sports franchises are getting so expensive that the pool of people who can even buy into a team, it's just very, very small. So, I mean, me personally, I don't really understand why you would want to sell the Warriors. Now, there are there is some speculation within the story about why someone would want to sell the Warriors, or I wouldn't say speculation, but maybe 
some ideas as to why the war you would want to sell the piece of the Warriors, but this is our, one of the most valuable sports franchises in the world, and there are some people who want to get out. So who are those sellers exactly, Randall? I don't know that they are. They've made themselves public just yet, and one of the reasons for that is because the quieter these things are, generally, the more the quicker that the process can go along. If right. you open it up for everybody, then you're going to have a, a bunch of people who may not even have the money to just want to throw their hats in there for the publicity of saying, "I want to buy a piece of the Warriors," and they can't actually afford it. So I'm not really sure yet. Just remind me. I mean, we've seen. By the way, we've seen and, and remind our audience, please. Some really big deals in the NBA just in the last year alone. You know, talk to us about those numbers really quickly again. I mean, the the Hornets. Michael Jordan sold the Hornets for three billion dollars after purchasing them for I think less than three hundred million dollars. <laughs> Unbelievable. And obviously, Sarver bought the Suns earlier this year for four billion. And if you think about the Warriors, this. Story has them at seven billion, which is more than both of them combined. That's exactly yeah. I mean, what I was seeing. Yeah. This ten percent stake could go for seven hundred million dollars or something along those lines. How many people have seven hundred million dollars, whether that be in cash or in investments all over the place, to just offer up and say, "Hey, I'm going to be a part of the Warriors." It's a difficult thing to do. Hell, I don't have seventy dollars right now in my wallet. <laughs> Stop lying! <laughs> Stop lying to the audience. <laughs> what? I mean, this is a. The valuations are just going through the roof, and I was thinking about this because there's another story that broke about another NBA great, Magic Johnson, who is thinking about, for the first time, maybe, just maybe, the New York Knicks because he doesn't want to buy a team that's going to conflict with the Lakers, but he's, eh, maybe I could buy the New York Knicks. Yeah, it's one of these things where... (laughs) You're better off seeing four rainbows in a day than James Dolan is to sell the Knicks. There have been New Yorkers for many years who have asked him to sell. I don't think it happens anytime soon. And don't get me wrong, there is a long list of people who would be interested in buying the Knicks who think they could run it better than James Dolan, who think they could bring in superstar players better than him. There's a lot of people, but the price tag for the Knicks, I mean, I can only imagine, I would not be surprised at all if it exceeded $10 billion. So here's the funny thing. We we said $7 billion. I mean, $10 billion. Wow. $7 billion for the, I mean, what other teams are even in that ballpark? Not just in the NBA, but you know, in other sports as well. It's the Cowboys. Uh, it's the Giants. It's the Jets. It's the Rams. It's the Knicks. It's the Lakers. It's the Yankees. Wow. It's not that many teams that get in that. I'd say six or five and a half to eight to nine billion dollar range, depending on what you value the teams at. There aren't a lot of teams. The NFL has the most in large part because of their media business and sometimes the businesses that the teams build around the stadiums and the product on the field. It isn't just about oh, you know, we have a football team that's very expensive. Naturally, these things are going to get more expensive over time. But in terms of what else can you bring fans and spectators to your stadium or the things around your stadium. Those things matter. The Patriots have Patriot Place and the Cowboys have what feels like a palace down there in Arlington. So it's one of these things where the more you build around your stadium and and the facilities, the more people you bring and the more money you make. You know, I, I Michael, I just have to I wonder, would that make the Warriors more expensive than the 49ers? It could be. I mean, that's nuts. It's possible. 
Yeah, I, I was just, just going to bring up the point is that all the teams you that you mentioned, Randall, they have one major thing in common, and they're all in major big league cities. Exactly. It's one of these things where if you're in a big city, you can naturally assume that you are going to make a lot of money just strictly from the market that you're in. Now, the NFL, in some ways... It's more of the same, but you see some of their smaller franchises who still have a bigger valuation, whether you look at Forbes or Sportico. Their franchises are big. Like Green Bay, for example, is valued higher than the Bengals, which are in Cincinnati. And Green Bay has done a number of things to create different streams of revenue that you wouldn't think of. I mean, they sold stock for $300 in their team, and that generated, I think, $65 million. It's one of these things where, like, if you can come up with fun, creative ways for fans to be a part of your franchise or feel like they're a part of your franchise, then they will engage. Yeah, well, I mean, Randall, you rightly point out in your article that um, Arctos bought an 8% stake at a valuation of $5.5 billion in the Warriors back in December 2021. So, you know, at least we sort of have, have a have a framework for, for the valuation of, of the team. I wonder if I could just shift gears, you know, and ask you another question. Um, Taylor Swift. Where are we going? Oh, no. Taylor Swift. Oh, we have no. to ask you about Taylor Swift. I know you love Taylor Swift. Don't say, you know, come on, the Eras Tour. I know I saw you there. But seriously. You, didn't, you did not see me there. No, but seriously. Do not put that out there. There are no photos of me at the Eras Tour. <laughs> but, I mean, we got to talk about For what sure. just happened and the impact on the NFL between the relationship between Travis Kelty and Taylor Swift. I mean, the numbers alone. I mean, the merch sales. Talk to us about all that. It's probably the craziest thing that I have seen in terms of celebrity impact on something that is pure speculatory. We, they, when they walked out of the stadium, they weren't even holding hands. They drove away and everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's this big thing. But the impact is undeniable. I mean, everyone in connection to Taylor Swift gained followers. It isn't just Travis Kelsey who gained over 400,000 followers. It's also his mother and his brother who have also gained followers. And all of this is from being on agency who tracks some of the social media metrics and things like that. But it's one of these things where like, I don't, you can't expect it. And I just got off the phone with the, I think the head of content at the NFL and social media. And even he said like, this is a magic that you just can't recreate. And they found out that she was going to be attending a couple hours before the game. Now the buzz that was recreated after my God, I cannot escape it. I, you know, I, and I said, when this story came out, I said, I'm not going to talk about this. I got other stuff, but then I'm forced to talk about it exactly. because Jersey sales for Travis Kelsey went up 400% exactly. since that you saw the shot of, you know, Taylor Swift. Yay, Kelsey. So, I mean, and you said this All yourself, right, yeah, Dan. No, no, no. You got to bring this up. Okay. So basically I don't have my own TikTok account with Mike Ball. So let's just tell me, I don't have my own TikTok account, but my wife does. And so we were looking at, I guess, wives are playing Swifties, are playing jokes on their husbands. <laughs> oh yeah, I've saying, seen it. Yeah. Saying basically, oh, um, can you believe that Taylor Swift just made this NFL player, Travis Kelsey, like in- instantly famous overnight and pe- men Julius, are going. Yeah. That's a head explosion. <laughs> Julius Randle's wife just did it on him and, it, and it, it's, it's hilarious. But here's the thing that is outside of whatever, if they're dating, if, if they're not, it doesn't really matter. But this is an example of why the NFL tried to book Taylor Swift for the Super Bowl. Right. This moment is micro in comparison to what she would be, whether that's the Super Bowl in 2025 or the Super Bowl in 2026. I don't think that the Super Bowl in 2026 has a location just yet. And who knows if they try to get Taylor Swift in New Orleans. But if they go back to, let's say, SoFi Stadium, uh, that is the venue for Taylor Swift. It's either SoFi or Allegiant. There aren't many venues that can truly quantify how big of a superstar she is. But if 
all of the things we've talked about, the jersey sales, the social media metrics, imagine what it would be if she did the Super Bowl halftime show. Well, speaking of Super, the Super Bowl halftime show, we got Usher. Exactly. He's going to do it. And that's making big buzz right now. Yeah. it's uh, The biggest thing that I was disappointed with this weekend is we did not talk about Usher yeah. in that Super Bowl halftime show enough because of the Taylor Swift thing. And it isn't anyone's fault in particular. It's it, just the way that it worked. But Usher couldn't have been a better placement for Las Vegas. Our thanks to Randa Williams, Bloomberg U.S. sports business reporter. Coming up next on the show, we turn to soccer in a struggling Chicago franchise looking to get a boost from messy mania. That is straight ahead on the Bloomberg business of sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr, along with Damian Sassauer. Scarlett Fu is off this week. She missed a good one. This week, Lionel Messi and Inter-Miami head to Chicago to play the Chicago Fire. And the team and its owner, billionaire Joe Mansueto, is hoping Messi mania can give them a boost. The Fire, they have struggled for years with some of the lowest attendance numbers in Major League Soccer. That's right, but the arrow is pointing up. Certainly, if you ask new general manager Dave Baldwin, he was on Bloomberg and talked about how things are heading in the right direction, it seems, for his team beyond Leo Messi coming to visit. We have a world-class owner in Joe Mansueto who invests really heavily in our club. So uh, currently we're in the midst of building a $100 million performance center here in Chicago. Uh, that is probably first and foremost, right? I think anytime you're investing in your in your players and your on-field or on-pitch talent, um, data, analytics, nutrition, those are all things that will impact uh, play on the field. We also invest really heavily in, in the city and have a, a really robust uh, community relations department that uh, runs a youth sports program, some of which is nonprofit, some of which is, is pay to play. And so as revenues continue to, to grow across the league, uh, those are all some of the areas that, that our club is investing in. Here to talk with us about Lionel Messi coming to town and what the Chicago Fire is looking to do to help turn things around. We welcome Bloomberg Chicago Bureau Chief Isis Almeida. Thank you for having me. Let's start, first of all, with the Chicago. The, <laughs> that's a great idea. Because what Mansueto is saying is that, hey, guess who's coming to town on October 4th? Lionel Messi. And now it looks like where they're going to hold the game at Soldier Field in Chicago is going to be one of the biggest crowds ever in MLS history. Yeah, I think every team is trying to capitalize on Messi. And I think it's a very, very smart strategy for the fire. It's especially important that they play in Soldier Field. They're one of the few MLS teams that actually play on an NFL stadium, which is tends to be much bigger stadiums so they can sell a lot more tickets so what we're seeing now is that you know the game is on track to sell out and 
you know, it could also be the highest grossing MLS regular season match of all time. So the Fire is really in to capitalize on this. Well, Isis, talk to us a little bit about the Chicago Fire. Talk to us about Joe Monsueto. We know he's of Morningstar fame, right? That's where he, you know, kind of made his wealth. We, uh, we Bloomberg uh, nerds, we know that kind of thing. But talk to us about his road to the path uh, of ownership here. I mean, I think he purchased the team in 2019, $400 million. Take us through that. Yeah, so he purchased the rest of the team in 2019 in a deal that actually valued the team at uh, $400 million. You know, Mansueto is also owner of FC Lugano, so I think that's really interesting. Um, you know, he got this team, and it was the end of 2019. It was just before the pandemic, and then suddenly the pandemic hit, and no one could play. Stadiums were closed. So I think it was actually a really hard time um, after that, and I think now that the world is reopening and he has the opportunity to capitalize on Messi, that's really what he's trying to do. And when we talk about the Chicago Fire, by the way, not about O'Leary's cow. We're talking <laughs> we're talking about a team, like you said, $400 million when he bought it. And today, that seems like a steal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think you see the valuations that are going on for like other teams. I think that, you know, it seems like a steal, but if you think about the fire itself, it's valued at around um, $535 million last year, but it was, you know, literally the only team in the NM, in the MLS franchise that didn't increase in value in 2021 and 2022, so I really do think that um, they do want to turn it around and they do want to capitalize, and, you know, he's pulling all the stops with the messy game. Yeah, Michael, and, what, and Isis rightly points out in her article um, that, you know, he also spent a bit of money to move the team back to Soldier Field, right? Because I think it had moved to, um, to to another venue. I think it moved to Bridgeview. But, you know, we have a lot of soccer coming through here in the U.S. over the night. I mean, we've got the World Cup coming. I mean, so talk to us a little bit about what this means, how this could kind of, you know, plant a few seeds as we look ahead to 2026. Yeah, I think they they are looking at the messy effect and this big wave of people getting interested in soccer for 2026 to try to like create and convert some of those you know casual observers into actual fans of the fire. And I think they're doing uh, they're doing it in a very uh, smart way. So a couple of things that they've done is you know it's really link this game, the October 4th game with Messi to season tickets. So if you buy a season ticket, then you get to go, you get free tickets to the October 4th game. It's the same with like corporate suites. If you sell, if they, if you buy a corporate suite for next season, you actually get to use the same suite on the October 4th game. So it's really looking at this game and the curiosity of people in this game to capitalize for the future and convert you know, people into like observers into new fans. Damien and I were looking at the same thing on the story that you had written that usually a ticket can go anywhere between $22 to $425. And the $425 ticket for a regular game is to actually play You get to sit with game. Joe. No, yeah, yeah, right. You sit with Joe. <laughs> <laughs> crack, crack crab and lobster for yeah. everyone. Yeah, you're right there, man. But now this game, this the the high price seats could go for, for $5,000. But he's also throwing in some goodies also, Mansueto. He's saying, look, okay, I'm going to give you some LED bracelets. I'm going <laughs> to give you some free parking. And uh, if you if you order right now, it's like, you know, I'll even like, you know, you know, give you a call, 
you know, but no, he's not going to do that. But no, he is throwing in some goodies in this ISIS. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a smart way of trying to keep people interested in the sport, right? And, you know, I think the LED lights will be a lot of fun. We've seen what they can do in Coldplay concerts, you know. You've seen how popular those concerts look and how great they look on Instagram and things like that. And you'll be able to see that on the fire, too. So they're thinking of lighting up these bracelets when the anthem plays or when the fire score. And they also have, like, the opportunity to do fun things. Like, if there's a corner kick, they can light up just one corner of the stadium. So I think, like, Instagram is definitely going to be uh, full of pictures of this game so I, I do fully expect that and and the freebie on the parking side I think is really interesting too because you know sometimes a par- parking at Soldier Field costs like 35 40 bucks and um, that is that can be more expensive than the actual ticket to a fire game so I think that's really important in your opinion your expert opinion <clears throat> At what minute do you think Leo Messi will enter the game? No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, it is a kind of a really important question, right? 63,000 fans are going to be there. What are your thoughts? Well, I think, you know, if you think about it, everyone wants him to play, but it's just... You know, it's not really up to the fire or up to anyone else to decide when when Messi comes in. But I do think that, you know, they all want to make it to the playoffs and they're going to take this seriously. So he is likely to play. I think that's that's at least the expectation of Dave Baldwin of the Chicago Fire. I know we are running out of time. And as you know, Lionel Messi will only play on grass. That's why at Soldier Field, you're seeing that instead of like maybe at a MetLife, whatever. But even more important to that is something that you had mentioned off mic. And that is the Latino population is growing and they are really excited about seeing Lionel Messi. That's right. And I think most of, you know, the Fires fans, you know, all the Fire fans, not all, but like most of the Fire fans are Latino and there's a huge Mexican population in Chicago. Um, The Latino population overtook um, the black population in Chicago in 2020. So the Fire has been capitalizing on that. Um, And I think the big question for the team is when do they bring a big Mexican player? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm with you. Thanks to Bloomberg Chicago Bureau Chief Isis Almina for joining us. Thank you so much. Up next on the show we turn to the nfl with former super bowl winning executive michael lombardi you know al davis used to love las vegas he would go there for his birthday quite a bit and you know nobody really had the vision to think las vegas was going to become a sports town because of gambling and yet it's a great sports town because it's a confluence of all these fan bases coming together that is straight ahead on the bloomberg business of sports bloomberg radio around the world You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Thanks for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports show, where we explore the big old money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr, along with Damian Sassauer. Scarlet Foo is off. With the NFL season now in full swing, we wanted to take a step back and talk with someone who can take us beyond the weekly headlines and scores. Michael Lombardi has served as GM of the Cleveland Browns, won three Super Bowls as an executive, one with the San Francisco 49ers and two with the New England Patriots. That's right. And Michael Lombardi also has a new book 
called Football Done Right, setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL. To take us behind the scenes of what makes an NFL team work, from coaches to scouting, welcome former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Damian. I appreciate it. Good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, first of all, let's start out your new book that's out, which obviously uh, I'm going to have to run to Barnes & Noble to get. Uh, <laughs> what what made you want to write this book? Well, the NFL has been my life for the last 40 years. And as a young kid growing up here on the beaches of uh, New Jersey, on the Jersey Shore, you know, I was influenced by a lot of factors. And so... You know, what I wanted to present to the people that love the league like I do that has grown up with the league, I wanted to kind of present some of the things that often aren't talked about, honor those before us, talk about how we got to where we are and try to bring some light to where we started, where we ended up and the people that influenced this game that haven't been recognized. And so it started out as a journey of perhaps to help people get into the Hall of Fame and it end up being the way I see the NFL through my eyes. Well, Mr. Lombardi, uh, unlike Michael, my colleague here, I actually have Kindle on my iPhone, so I can actually <laughs> download your book and read it, which is what I've done. So I want to ask you a question here. What you propose yes, is a standard of excellence for coaches to be admitted to the Hall of Fame. I'm wondering if you could just expand on that a little bit for our audience. You know, who would and wouldn't qualify? Well, I, you know, this is, you guys are Bloomberg News, right? So you deal with sports, but also sports is business. And whenever you are procuring talent, whether it's for the NFL draft or whether it's for some major company, you must start with a criteria. Because most people think scouting is about finding. Hiring is about finding. And it's not. It's about elimination. So what you must do is set a criteria that eliminates people from you're even giving them consideration. So you could focus on the people that have the qualifications that you need to study. And so what I try to do, and this is what's been wrong with the NFL, there's never been a criteria for coaches to enter the Hall of Fame. Yep. Is it a Super Bowl win? Is it not a Super Bowl win? Is it a 70% winning percentage? Is it not? Is it because John Elway played on your team and you didn't have John Elway? Is it because... You know, Joe Namath predicted the greatest win of all time, and you're a 500 coach. Is that why you get in? Like, all these things kind of they are just all over the place. It's random. So, and whenever you have a sense of randomness, you have an injustice. So I completely agree with you. And by the way, for our audience, you know, there are, I believe, six criteria. But, I mean, really quite fascinating. What I thought was interesting was then if you kind of, you know, kind of read through it and you look at who you believe or at least who your, your analysis, what it leads you to believe, who those top ten coaches of all time are, I had to. I have to say, and I'm not a Giants fan here, but Bill Parcells not making the top ten. Yeah. I mean, how much heat, uh, Michael, just, are you feeling me. from someone who's so hey, close? I, to- I love Parcells and like <laughs> a father figure to me. I really mean that. And you know, I should have probably, as a regret, I should have made him. Should have made Curly Lambeau ten A and him ten B. <laughs> you know, and cheated it. I should have. And I feel badly that I didn't do that because he's been instrumental in my knowledge of the league and being able to have conversations with him and talk to him and and do all that. But to me, I had to have a cutoff at ten. You know, and, and that's why. But he certainly is very instrumental in the league. I wish he would have coached longer at one place. He kind of he kind of kind of left and went. But I think. Ultimately, 
you know, his influence on the game and his game strategy, I think, cannot be overlooked. Well, I don't want to give away the book, but you got to tell us who's number one and number two ranked coaches. Well, you know, everybody thinks because of my relationship working with Bill Belichick that I would have made Belichick the number one. But without Paul Brown, there can't be a number one. Because Paul Brown was the what I refer to in the book, the operating system for the NFL coaches. They would not have had a coaching system if it wasn't for Paul Brown. He developed the scouting reports, game planning, the messaging communication from the press box to the coaches. Everything that went involved with turning the 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 the, the, the occupation of coaching into a full-time profession starts and ends with Paul Brown. And he doesn't get enough credit for it. He should but he doesn't get enough credit because time has come through. And because the NFL doesn't do a great job of, of really honoring those before them, they pretend they do, but we should have a, there should be the coach of the year award should be the Paul Brown award. Oh it's like the Lombardi trophy is the Super Bowl trophy. Did you know Vince Lombardi died in 1970 at just 57 years old in the prime of his coaching career? And he was still, I believe, I mean, uh, Michael, correct me if I'm wrong. Number two on your list. Yeah, he was. And, you know, a lot of people think I should have made him one. I mean, he would he would have been able to continue to do because I think what's misunderstood about Lombardi and his leadership. And this is why the beginning of the book is so important, because when he was a coach at Fordham and he took a job at West Point to go work for Earl Red Blake, who's in the book as one of the pillars. It's one of the coaching trees, what I call the White Oaks. And. He took that job, and Earl Blake taught him what leadership was all about through Blake's ability, having gone through the academy at West Point and also having coached at West Point. And that really shaped Lombardi. And Lombardi is is kind of uh, equated to yelling and screaming. That's really not who he was. He was very much a teacher. In fact, if you went into his office in Green Bay, there were two plaques on the wall, both of them for Teacher of the Year at St. Cecilia's High School in, in Red Bank, New Jersey. That's how much he prided himself on being a teacher. So I think there's a little bit of a misunderstanding because there is a, a perception of a portrait of him as being a screamer and a yeller and a driver. But he was an intellectual. And I think that's why he was so successful. And he would have continued. But you're right, 57. He dies at 57. I mean, you know, and I can remember the day my mother told me that. And the reason I'm in football is because of him, because I saw him on the sidelines and he looked like somebody that belonged at my family dinner. Well, Michael, Michael, I mean, you, you, we say 57 years old. I'm going to give you another uh, 27 years old, 1986. You are credited for having discovered Hall of Fame defensive end Charles Haley. Now, take us to you know today's game, right? And the coaches today, and the scouts today. I mean, does that even happen anymore? I mean, what coaches? I mean, what scouts have the ability to uncover a Hall of Famer of that magnitude? Talk to us about today's game, and which coaches have that Hall of Fame potential, in your opinion? Well, I mean, look, uh, you know, Andy Reid's going in the Hall of Fame. Belichick's going to go in the Hall of Fame. Mike Tomlin's going to go in the Hall of Fame. They have it. You know, I think Sean McVay has the potential. Kyle Shanahan has the potential to get into the Hall of Fame as they keep developing and winning as they're going forward. I, I think the Haley story proves my original point. It's about elimination. So as a young kid, I get called up into Bill Walsh's office by his secretary. Nicole and Nicole says, Coach Walsh wants to see you, which is usually never good, right? (laughs) That's not going to be good. So I go up to his office and he says, here's what I want you to do. And he lays it out for me. I want you to go through all the notebooks. Now, there's no computers in 87. 
So, and there's no videotape in 86 is when this happened. Amazing. There's no video. It's all 16 millimeter. And so there's no really, so you have to read the reports to get an understanding of what's happening. Amazing. And so I went through all the reports. He gave me a criteria to look for. And essentially I came up with about three names, Dan McMillan from Colorado state, Romel Andrews from, from, uh, from, uh, Mississippi from uh, Tennessee University of Tennessee at Martin, not at Knoxville at Martin <laughs> wow. and Charles Haley at James Madison. And that's just from reading the reports. And then I got the video in, I got the 16 millimeter tape on it and watched it. And then he called a meeting and we went upstairs to the meeting room, which was very small. And he, we put the can, I put, I threaded the tape through the 16 millimeter projector <laughs> and he watched one play and turned off the machine and says, we don't need to look at anything else. That's Michael Lombardi, a former Super Bowl-winning NFL executive. We've got more with him up next, so stick around, including one story we cannot get around. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift sitting in a tree. <laughs> she is incredible in the fact that her demographics follow her everywhere. And, you know, you, you look at what's, I mean, all of a sudden you get 350 increases in your Instagram following. I mean, Kelsey, the smartest thing he ever did is try to get a date with her. You're listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports and Bloomberg Radio around the world. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr for Damian Sassauer. Scarlett Foo is off this week. We're talking with Michael Lombardi, a former NFL executive with a couple of Super Bowl wins in his resume. Let's make that three. So let's continue with our conversation. I got to bring this up. when they Back in the day when they had the 16 millimeter film. And what they used to do, you show the game film of one of the opposing team and this and that, whatever. But what they – and they shipped it to the other team that they were going to play for that weekend. But what some of the coaches did was that they cut up the film. They, <laughs> it was, they were really tricky back then, back in the day, Michael. Yeah, they weren't very kind. I mean, Barry Sanders, I tell a great story in the book about Barry Sanders. The, the, the coaches from Oklahoma State knew how good he was. They knew how talented he was, but nobody really knew. So they kept all the tape in their office. They wouldn't <laughs> send it to other colleges. The only team that really knew who he was was Tulsa, which is kind of where he grew up. He grew up in Wichita, uh, Kansas. So, you know, they, they really didn't see him. And and that was kind of one of the way you could find your way around it. So, yeah, there's always that kind of stuff. You, you don't want to do that, but you're kind of going to do it. 
I know time is running out, but I have to bring up about the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. How big is that for the game? Oh my gosh, it's huge! I mean, did you see the the past week, Monday, uh, Sunday night? I mean, my wife, my two sons, both coach at the Raiders, so my wife was at the game, and yeah. she came home from it and said it was like a Super Bowl, and that's a regular season game. And so this is, I can only imagine what this is going to look like and good for the league. And it's always good. You know, Al Davis used to love Las Vegas. He would go there for his birthday quite a bit. And, you know, nobody really had the vision to think Las Vegas was going to become a sports town because of gambling. And yet it's a great sports town because it's a confluence of all these fan bases coming together. And, you know, it's it's kind of, it's an event to go to. Mr. Lombardi, a really important question here. Um, so, have you ever listened to Taylor Swift? Because I don't know if you happened to catch last week's game. <laughs> My God, what is, I mean, the internet blew up. I wonder if, I mean, what was going through your mind? I mean, I mean, when you're watching this go on, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, for me, it just seemed like any other regular game, but apparently it was not. I'm wondering if you could just comment briefly. It's trailer now. Get the, hip. <laughs> I think it's the power of, you know, her fan base is incredible. They're they're loyal, they're engaging, and you know they'll they'll cross over any medium. And look, let's face it: the, the, one of the reasons I wrote the book is because two gentlemen, well, really three, but one's been honored correctly: Howard Cosell, Brett Musburger, mm-hmm. and John Madden yes. promoted this game. They were the they were the Taylor Swift, if you will, of the era. And they they drew their audience into the NFL, which is now why the teams are worth over six billion dollars in Washington. So that's part of the reason why I wanted to write this book. But she is incredible in the fact that her demographics follow her everywhere. And, you know, you look at what's I mean, all of a sudden you get 350 increases in your Instagram following. I mean, Kelsey, the smartest thing he ever did is try to get a date with her. (laughs) Uh, Oh, you've been so kind. Michael Lombardi, you are too kind to come and join the show. Uh, Former NFL general manager, three time Super Bowl winning executive. Thank you so much, sir, for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Our thanks to Michael Lombardi for joining us. He's a former NFL executive and author of the new book, Football Done Right, setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL. And if you missed any of our conversation, shame on you. But you can make it up because you can check it out now on the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports show. We're here each and every week at the same time. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. And I'm on X at D Sasso. I keep saying Twitter. You keep saying Twitter. I- I I cannot get that out of my head. Thank you so much for joining us. Tune in again next week for the latest on the stories moving big old money in the world of sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports, Bloomberg Radio, around the world. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.